it's wrong to criticize leaders of the church, even if the criticism is true. I have no doubt on the basis of what I have, have studied and learned that uh, Mormons, including local leaders of our church, were prime movers in that terrible episode and participated in the killing. Some of them are a little darker, some of them have slant eyes. Penny lay pale. Penny lay pale. Penny lay pale. You beautiful girls don't wander around looking like men. Put on a little lipstick now and then and look a little charming. It's that simple. And if they have a Catholic background, y si tienen un uh, antecedentes católicos, they don't know who God is. No saben quién es Dios. They don't know who the Savior is. No saben quién es el Salvador. Nor do they know who the Holy Ghost is. Y no saben quién es el Espíritu Santo. And we know. Y nosotros who, who sí sabemos quiénes son. Because Joseph. Porque José knelt in the presence of the Father and the Son. Se arrodilló en la presencia del Padre y del Hijo. You're saying to them, bring your faith with you, right? Sure. You're not saying, leave your Catholicism. I say this to other people. You, you develop all the good you can. We have no animosity toward any other church. We do not oppose other churches. We never speak negatively of other churches. We say to people, you bring all the good that you have and let us see if we can add to it. You all look alike. White shirts, some of them a little wrinkled. Ties, I look at you, I look at your faces, and think of your age, and I'm inclined to say, well, you're not much to look at, but you're all the Lord has. <laughs> Each of us has to face the matter. Either the church is true, or it is a fraud. There is no middle ground. It is the church and kingdom of God, or it is nothing. Less than a year ago, right here in Washington, D.C., my friend killed himself. He was Mormon and gay. You've gone on record saying that the church does not give apologies. Does religious freedom absolve you from responsibility in the gay Mormon suicide crisis? I think that's a question that will be answered in, on Judgment Day. I can't, uh, I can't answer that beyond what has already been said. Those things have to be judged by higher authority than exists on this earth. And I'm ready to be accountable to that authority. The rightness or wrongness of it, I'll be accountable to higher authority for that. That's the way I look on that one. And nobody is sadder about a case like that than, than I am. I hit my companion. Oh, is that all, I said in great relief. But I floored him, he said. After a little more uh, research into what had happened, my response was, well, thanks. Somebody had to do it, and it wouldn't... <laughs> and it wouldn't be well for a general authority to solve a problem in that way. Now, I'm not recommending that course to you, my young friends, but I'm not omitting it. You must... <laughs> <laughs> you
You must protect yourselves. Some suppose that they were preset and cannot overcome what they feel are inborn tendencies toward the impure and the unnatural. Not so. Why would our Heavenly Father do that to anyone? We do not make an, a judgment about someone's attraction. We don't know why that attraction came that way. And if I haven't done well enough to teach it, shame on me. We are not passing judgment, but we're not, we're not making them second-class citizens. There are no homosexual members of the church. Marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of God. So we do not discriminate, and we are not bigots. My wife is afraid I'm going to hit her with a bottle of water. <laughs> to do family history. That's why I believe the computer came into existence. That's why God revealed, and it doesn't, you don't have to be a member of the church to have spiritual insight and promptings, the creation of that tool, com the computer. And as soon as that surfaces for the purposes of God, what does the, the devil do on the, on the left side? Oh, he said, you're going to play that game? I'm in it. <laughs> I'll put on the internet filth. I'll put on ugliness. I'll put on spiritual destructive images. We'll call it pornography. It'll be awful. And anybody that goes there, I'll capture them. Dear brethren, we have reviewed the report of the financial operations of the Corporation of the President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. May each of us emulate the Prophet Joseph's great example. He taught the truth. He lived the truth. He shared the truth. Bravo! Some say that karma is a bitch. Some say that karma is a bitch. To the big show. to Ex-Mormon Live. This is uh, the post-Pioneer Day show and episode number 334. Yeah, amazing, 334. Hopefully we'll be uh, around 444 by the end of this year and closing in on 500. 
Anyway, uh, how's everyone doing? You come getting over your uh, Pioneer Day hangover? <laughs> All the Mormons are coming down today, you know. They, they were so up yesterday, they were so pumped, or not. Uh, now today they're just like, oh, God, you know, and they got to go back to work, and it's got to be a real downer. Anyway, uh, as always, we are being broadcast live, live, that's right, from the Vatican and Mecca of Mormonism, worldwide, everywhere, all across the globe, thanks to TuneIn Radio. Thank you, TuneIn, you're awesome. Uh, we are broadcasting to all 25 time zones around the world, and this is the show for July 25th, 2018. It is a Wednesday morning, and good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are currently located on the spinning globe that we call the Earth. Yes, here we are. It could be part of a matrix. Who knows? I guess we'll find out or not someday, right? Anyway, uh, the only people that really know what's going on here live on co-op. So, unfortunately, we just can't seem to get in touch with co-op. It's unfortunate, man. Uh, but if you guys are out there listening on co-op, welcome. We love having you here. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> the phone number to call into the show this morning or any morning is 435-363-9665. Or simply remember 435-36-XMO5. If you want to call into the show, I'm sorry, if you can call into the show, but you want to be a part of the show, which I understand, uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at hashtag XMOLIVE, E-X-M-O-L-I-V-E. Or you can also simply hit me up at XMormon, just E-X-M-O-R-M-O-N on Twitter. Um, also, I do have a Facebook group, XMormon Live, over on Facebook. I am XMormon Live on Skype, and I also have an email at xmormonlive at gmail.com if you want to drop me a line. And I should mention on Skype, you know, if you call in between shows, you call the, the show number, the, the 435-36XMO5, if you call that number, you can leave me a message up to 10 minutes in length, and you can leave as many messages up to 10 minutes in length as you want. And if it's something you want me to play on the show, uh, you can leave it, and then I'll listen to it and decide if I want to put it on the show. Uh, but you're welcome to do that as well, and I wish that more people would take advantage of that. It's a great opportunity for you to be a part of the show, uh, to share your thoughts and your feelings. And, you know, if you left multiple 10-minute messages, I mean, I can even put it up on Ex-Mormon Radio 24-7 to let people listen to it. You know, put it into the rotation if it's good, you know, and you want me to do that. So, yeah, there's that. And then also, I do have a listener-only line, which is really cool and unique. And with this, you can call in anytime and listen to the station. Uh, again, it plays 24-7, you know, like Mormon Radio. And then I break in each morning to do the live show. But you can listen to it. There are no limitations. You can call in anytime you want. And it's good if you don't have a Wi-Fi connection or you don't have enough data. You're out and about or you're driving, but you have, you know, cell connection. And a lot of us have unlimited minutes now. So call this number, uh, the listener line at 605-562-8064. Again, 605-562-8064. And if you didn't get some of this, you can just go over to xmormonlive.com. All the information's there, and it's even set up for mobile. Uh, if you want to you know, use your mobile device to access it, and again, all the phone numbers and you know, all the contact information that I've just shared with you is right there on the website. So feel free to do that. 
All right. So, uh, yeah, post-Pioneer Day, um, I, you know, wasn't going to watch the parade, but then I found myself watching it because I wanted to report to you guys what went on at the parade. Uh, I will proudly say that I slept through the parade initially. I did record it so that I could watch it later, which I did. I didn't, you know, after I got done with the show, it was like, uh, I don't know, six in the morning on uh, Tuesday. And the parade started at nine, so I wasn't going to stay up. So I slept till like one o'clock and uh, recorded it. And then when I woke up, I, you know, grabbed something to eat. And I thought, oh, hell, I'll put the parade on. I wanted to at least, and what's funny is I had it playing while I was sleeping. And I heard them say, you know, Ballard, because I didn't even know who the, uh, I hadn't even looked it up to see who the Grand Marshal was going to be. It's always one of the the 15 ass postholes, you know, one of the losers. And so I didn't know which one it was going to be. And so it was Ballard. And I heard that in my sleep. It kind of woke me up. I'm like, oh, fuck, Ballard, you know. Uh, and, and then I heard them like talking to him. And I'm like, I'll just catch up to it later. And I, I, I think I actually turned it down and went back to sleep. Anyway, because, uh, <laughs> I mean, they're so important, you know. I mean, I should have just sat up, you know, and been all alert and splashed some water on my face and said, oh, my God, it's Ballard, the, you know, one of the most powerful men in the world. You know, uh, the president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of Christ. You know, it should have just really shooken me up, but it didn't. Because uh, the guy's a piece of shit, and uh, he's nobody. You know, the rest of the world couldn't give a shit. And shockingly, I don't think most Mormons give a shit. Uh, I mean, I was really shocked yesterday. So what I'm going to do is share, like, my thoughts on what I saw and heard. And then I'm going to play a couple clips um, Actually, I've got a few clips for you I want to play. Uh, last year, I just want to mention this. It's just kind of funny. And in this show, I'm just going to basically talk about Pioneer Day and the Pioneers and the parade. And But uh, last year, the Grand Marshal was Dieter Fuckdork, you know. And, of course, this year... <laughs> Sorry, man. It's just, it's just sad to see how far the Silver Fox has fallen, you know. I mean, if, I mean, sad or funny or whatever you want it to be. I mean, sad in an ironic way. You know, I'm not really sad. I couldn't give a shit. I, I think it's kind of funny that basically Nelson came in and said, Hey, Dieter, fuck you, fuck dork. You know, uh, and then he tried, and then they had to go out of their way to point out how important he was and that this new mission he had was even more important than being in the quorum of the, I'm sorry, the first presidency, which is funny because if that was true, then what he's doing is downplaying the role of Oaks and Iring, right? I mean, like, well, you know, we've got uh, Dallin Hoax and we got Crying Iring, but we had such an important mission for Dieter Fuckdork that we had to kick him out of the First Presidency in order to do this wonderful, amazing thing. Um, because Oaks and Iring weren't as important as the Silver Fox, right? I mean, come on, give me a fucking break. I mean, they tried to, you know, show how just how much more important what he was doing was going to be than what they were doing. I mean, come on, man. You think we're dumb fucks? Well, unfortunately, a lot of people are, especially the Mormons who are buying into that shit. But I know one person that didn't buy into, and that's the, the uh, Silver Fox. But, I mean, he's saying all the right things, but, you know, if you, if you looked at his facial expressions during the press conference when they were announcing that he was booted to the curb and back into the pool of 12... Um, and then you had Holland sitting next to him, like grabbing his hand, like, it's okay, buddy. It'll be all right. I mean, it, that said everything you needed to know. 
And then he looked at him and just kind of pursed his lips and, oh, yeah, I know, man, thank you. I'm glad somebody's there for me because I think the rest of the quorum was like, I don't give a fuck about this guy. You know, they, they probably all hated him because he had the silver tongue because he's the silver fox, baby, um, which is hilarious. And I have a clip later that will play, play into that that I'll play for you guys. It's pretty funny. Um, so, I mean, he, he was like the, oh, man, I mean, he was the guy, you know. I mean, he was like their PR guy. I mean, he'd get up there in conference and say, it's okay to question. No problem. Don't judge other people that left because the history of our church is a huge pile of shit sitting in a cesspool. Don't worry about that, man. I mean, he'd give these bullshit talks that were completely contrary to everything the church believes and has ever believed. And he made it sound like it was okay. You know, again, people bought it. You know, like, oh, cool, I can openly question. Oh, shit, I got excommunicated, you know. Um, but he was the, he was the guy that got up there and spewed this BS and, and made everyone just feel good and look good and, oh my God, and all the women were swooning and, I mean, I'm sure there was, you know, some moistness going on in the audience. I mean, he's a silver fox. Come on. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, how far he has fallen, right, in a year. So a year ago, he's the Grand Marshal of the Days of 47 Parade. And this year, he's merely a footnote with a little asterisk that he will never be heard from again, basically. You will see him in general conference every six months. That's it. You know, he might pop around and do a fireside here and there, but even that, probably not. I mean, you've got, you know, Boward and Crying Irene and Holland and, uh, and Nelson and, and Dallin Hoax. And, I mean, they, they got it covered. You know, he, he's just one of the guys now. After, you know, I think he was in the first presidency for, uh, was it eight, eight years? I'd have to look it up for sure, but it was seven or eight years, somewhere around there. I mean, the whole time the Monson, you know, was the, uh, the prophet of fraud. He was the, uh, you know, the second counselor. Uh, I'm amazed that they kept crying iring, you know, they kicked him to number two. Anyway, that's not what I want to talk about today, but, um, yeah, so, so anyway, I wake up, you know, I'm watching the parade. And they do a bunch of things before, and then it's time for Ballard, you know, and they announce Ballard. I'm going to play the clip here for you. Um, and I, I, I noticed something, you know, and I had, to, I had to rewind it and watch it back. Like, nobody in the crowd that was within camera shot, camera view, gave two shits about M. Russell Ballard, you know, direct descendant from Hiram Smith, you know, all the way back to the beginning of the church. Mr., uh, you know... Uh, put on a little lipstick and stop trying to look like men. You know, Mr., uh, you know, God created the computer, so Satan created filth and porn. You know, Mr. Dumbfuck, Mr., um, we don't know we're dead when we die. You know, like, we won't know c because his grandpappy taught that, and he was an apostle, so it can't be wrong, you know. Uh, I mean, keep your eyes riveted on us. I mean, they're never wrong. We have to believe everything they say. In a lipstick talk, he goes on to say, you don't have to ever question anything in the church, anything they say. Everything's 100% accurate. People overlook that part of the talk. I play the whole talk. I mean, I honestly, I had forgotten. But I was listening to Ex-Mormon Radio 24-7 the other day. I was out and about, and here I, you know, I hear Ballard saying, hey, you don't have to ever question anything in the church, anything we say. It's all right. It's all correct. You know, and, and, and he's like, don't... Don't get caught up in that kind of thing. And 
Um, you know, it's like, wow, I mean, that's a huge part. And, he's, and he, he does repeat the phrase, we cannot lead you astray. Again, I mean, he said it many, many, many times. Um, and again, like the, the one famous one in the BYU talk was keep your eyes riveted on us. Um, I need to play that clip one night. I don't know. If, I think I have that somewhere, but I'll, I'll cue that up uh, for another show. Anyway, uh, no one cared. I mean, there wasn't. He, I mean, he's waving to the crowd, and all I could see was like the crowd to his right. They only really showed one angle. They had a camera guy out there like taking different angles and stuff, but they didn't show any of his footage. And the people on the street uh, that were to his right, the whole time they were showing him. I did not see one person, not one person wave to him, not one person like respond or even care. They weren't even looking at him. Like they were looking around, they were fanning themselves, they were playing with their kids, they were, you know, involved in something else. They did not give a fuck the M. Russell Boward, like the uh, second in line to be prophet behind Dallin Hoax, was there. I mean, it was just amazing. I was like, wow what is happening here? You know, like nobody cared. And, and I used to go to the parade every year. My, my dad would go down early. He'd put out our chairs for us and you know how people do. Like we didn't stay overnight. We never did that crazy shit. I mean, it's probably fun for some of you, but it was never something that we wanted to do. Um, but he would go down and I mean, he worked in Salt Lake and so he would be there um, early in the morning. So he would go and put out all of our chairs and stuff and get it ready for us you know we always sat on the shady side of the street why people sit on the sun side i have no fucking clue <laughs> but uh we would always sit smartly on the shade side so that we weren't sitting there with the sun beating down on us the whole time um <laughs> but uh anyway um yeah it was amazing i mean it really was uh to watch him Driving by, they announce him, you know, as the as the guy, the Grand Marshal, M. Russell Ballard, and nothing, man. I mean, there wasn't even a heartbeat going on. And I was just like, wow, what the fuck happened, man? I mean, and I think, again, it just goes to show what I've been saying for the last almost three years now on this show. And, I mean, especially that they're losing their, their grip. They're losing their power and their control, and, like, people just don't give a shit anymore. I mean, it's really, really amazing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm more and more amazed every time I see something like that happen because, wow, you know, I mean, that is, uh, that is something. Uh, I'm just like, my God, you know, <laughs> do they realize that they have totally lost all power and all control? Um, so, uh, Anyway, I was just verifying, uh, let's see, uh, Mormon seniority here. Let me just look this up real quick. But he, and he appeared to be oblivious to it, you know, of course, because they, they are oblivious to everything. Um, you know, I mean, but imagine, I mean, you, you think that you're like, you know, like the second most powerful man on the entire planet, that you work directly for Christ, that you're like, you know, you're fucking pumped. I mean, you're the guy. You're the Grand Marshal of the Mormon Days of 47 Parade. You're a direct descendant from the original Smith family. And no one gives a damn. Uh, by the way, yeah, he is uh, third in line. I, it's been a while since I thought about that. But yeah, it's Nelson. I'm sorry. He is... Uh, hang on a second. What am I talking about? He's second in line. Oaks is third. 
So uh, he he is uh, next in line to be prophet. If if Nelson kicks the bucket, uh, God help us all. I mean, Ballard will be the prophet, and no one cares. I mean, so again, that's even more reason for people to care, isn't it? I mean, but they don't. Uh, let's see. So we've got Nelson, then we got Ballard, then it's Oaks, and then Iring, and then uh, it would be uh, Holland. And then the Silver Fox, uh, Dieter Fuckdork. So Fuckdork is, uh, you know, sixth in line. Uh, pretty good chance that ain't going to happen uh, when you've still got, you know, Iring and Holland. And I mean, Holland for sure will probably become the, uh, the Mormon prophet of fraud at some point. But anyway, uh, yeah, so I don't know, man. I'm going to play the clip here, but people just didn't care. They just kept... Uh, doing whatever they were doing. Uh, and what I was going to say is when I was younger, and, and I can tell you even as, you know, far back, I mean, not that far back, but five years ago when Dieter Fuckdork was the, uh, the Grand Marshal, the crowd went crazy, man. They were all waving at him. And if I remember right, last year they did as well. I couldn't find a clip from last year. I think I have it recorded from last year, so I'll have to pull up my own recording of it. But it doesn't appear that anybody posted any video of him from last year, but I'll keep looking. Um, or I'll just pull up my own clip, you know, or see if there's somewhere you can watch the whole parade. And uh, maybe it's it's still on KSL or something. I don't know. But so last year, you know, of course, he was there. But in 2013, he was as well. And the crowd went wild, man. It was I mean, it's Dieter Fuckdorg, the Silver Fox, like I keep saying. Uh, but this year, <laughs> it was a dud. But what was amazing is he, Ballard was also the Grand Marshal in 2016. Um, and I have an audio clip from remarks that he made back then, but I don't have, I didn't look that clip up to see if the crowd did anything. I was more interested in this year and how nobody cared. So anyway, with that being said, let me just go ahead and play the uh, original uh, audio from that. Um, let's see here. Uh, let me pull this up for you. All right, so yeah, I mean, this is where the the MCs, uh, what Nadine Wimmer and uh, whoever the other guy is, I forget his name, is it Bowl or anyway, they uh, they announced Ballard, and you know, again, uh, if you guys have it recorded, um, go watch it. You know, if you can find it on KSL and they have the whole parade, or if you just have it archived on your DVR, whatever, go watch it. Go, just go watch this part. It's it's at the. Uh, it's literally right at like the 29, just go to like the 29 minute mark. It's like 29 and a half minutes in, um, which is weird because like I thought the parade started at nine, but it really didn't start until, uh, let's see here, I can tell you. So it came, I mean, they, they started covering it at nine, but uh, here we are 20 minutes in. Yeah, it was about 20 minutes in. So, I mean, it didn't really start until about 9.20 which is kind of weird. I always remember it starting like right at nine, like going for two hours. So it appeared shorter. The floats weren't that great. Um, you know, they got rid of the youth parade. I talked about that a couple nights ago. Um, that's gone. And so I, I kind of almost wonder if like that's where they're heading. Like they're going to, I mean, you know how they trim down the peanuts hood session from two hours to an hour and a half to every six months, I'm sorry, once a year now. Um, you know, it seems like they're just slowly whittling away at everything. So it looks like the parade went from two hours to an hour and 40 minutes. And I wouldn't be surprised if next year it's like an hour and a half. And then, you know, maybe in a year or two, they just say, oh, fuck it. 
too much work, too much trouble. Uh, we don't care. Uh, nobody respected Ballard, you know, as the Grand Marshal. And um, who knows who will be. I mean, they're going to have to try somebody new next year. Um, who are they going to throw out there? Holland? I mean, people might go nuts over Holland. They're not going to, like, lose their shit over Oaks or Nelson because no one likes them. They're just they're little fucks, you know? Uh, they're assholes. I mean, they are. I'm sorry. Aspostles. I'm sorry. i got to be respectful. Uh, anyway, let, let me go ahead and play this for you guys. And I'm going to watch it again to verify that nobody in the crowd gave a shit. I'll be watching everyone in the background. Uh, but here we go. Here, President M. Russell Ballard is the Grand Marshal for this parade this year. He has served as a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Nobody since October 6, 1985. He was set apart as acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles by President Russell M. Nelson on January 14th of just this year. Dave McCann visited with him at This is the Place State Park in the home that once belonged to President Ballard's great-grandmother, Mary Fielding Smith. Again, I did not see one single person. I saw a couple people looking. I saw nobody waving, nobody responding. He's waving to everyone. He's smiling, and no one gives a fuck. It's great, man. It's beautiful. It shows how little people care about these guys. I mean, they used to be rock stars, man. They'd show up to the parade. and I mean, this is their parade, and no one cared. It's great, man. It's like you throw a parade, and no one cares. All right, here we go. You can hear this uh, bullshit that he's gonna spew. He shared some sound advice on how to make this holiday more meaningful. The one thing you would like every Utah to do this Pioneer Day. I would like every Utah to put your arm around someone who just needs to know that you love them and you care about them. Unless they're gay, of course. If they're gay, fuck them. You know, excommunicate them, gut their lives, treat them like shit, drive them to depression and suicide, don't hug them, get away from them, they're dangerous, it's contagious, you know, I mean, if you hug them, you might catch the, the, the homosexuality disease, you know, that they believe is going around, because when they have their personal meetings with their guy that does the uh, power presentation, who's now actually in the, in the Quorum of the Twelve, uh, Mr., uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Garrett W. Uh, Gong, I, I guess he's from the Gong Show, you know, I mean, he he uh, he was the one doing the power presentations for them. Uh, you know, and, and what was their main question about everything they talked about? Is he gay? Uh, does anyone know if he's a homosexual? Uh, do do all the people that have good ideas are, are they all homosexuals? You know, uh, I'm just kind of, uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, you know, anyway, so hug somebody, love somebody, unless they're gay or or the children of gay you know legally gay married couples don't touch them either they're they're banned until they're 18 and then we're going to make them go through hell to get into the church so yeah i mean what a what a fucking fraud what a liar he is if everybody can do that and it may be within your own family it oh. may be within your ward it may be within your oh. community okay but all of us can touch one just think how many people would be happier than they are today. Yeah. Pretty Wouldn't that be nice? And they, they, I mean, they got sirens and everything going like, woo, it's Ballard, woo, woo, you know? 
and and never. I mean, I think they tried the sirens after nobody responded. They were like, well, maybe this will get their attention because people weren't even paying attention, man. They were busy doing something else, you know. Uh, it's just funny. I mean, I I hope some of you recorded it so you can go back and watch this very moment, you know, of the parade. I mean, I'm right at the uh, uh, like 30, 35 mark, you know, 30 minutes, 35 seconds. But again, start about 29 minutes, and then you'll see like leading up to it and. And then uh, you won't miss anything. Sound advice right there. To watch more from this exclusive interview, go to the KSL TV app where you can watch it on demand. You can download this app for your preferred mobile device at your app store. Wow. Next. we've Okay, so now they did switch briefly to where you can see the other side of the street, and it was in the shade. And I didn't see anybody waving over there either. So... Wow, what a what a gigantic thud uh, Ballard's appearance was at the Days of 47 charade. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's call it a charade. It's not a parade, it's a charade. <laughs> anyway, uh, there you go. No one gave a shit. Now, I haven't pulled up like his uh, the whole interview that he did. I just have that clip. But I do have the little four-minute interview he did from 2016, and I wanted to play that for you. So let me go ahead and play that, and we'll move on from Ballard. Um, let's see here. So yeah, this was the uh, what he had to say in 2016. Again, Dave McCann. I mean, he's the biggest suck up. I mean, he has to. I mean, he's you know he works for KSL. That's owned by Christ himself. So you know, of course, Dave McCann. And what was funny is when the, when Ballard was responding and they showed McCann. I mean, he looked like he was distressed or constipated or something, man. I mean, he had this look on his face like, what? Like, hug somebody? Like, I mean, like, I don't even think he agreed. I mean, you know, he saw right through the bullshit. But, of course, he can't say anything because, you know, he's diehard and his job depends on it. So, anyway, back in 2016, when, again, Ballard was the Grand Marshal of the parade, he sat down with Dave McCann. And I'm going to go ahead and play that for you. This is about about four minutes, and I'll, I'll interject, you know, along the way. Well, if you could have uh, 30 seconds with everyone along the parade route and those watching on KSL, what would you want them to know about the pioneers? Well, I think uh, everyone needs to appreciate what the pioneers, our pioneers, the Mormon pioneers, did in blazing the trail under terrible circumstances yeah it's a great time to pause i think for everyone all religions all religions and just ponder and think in gratitude for those who are willing to blaze the trail and come out and settle this valley recently my kids and i flew from chicago to salt lake in three hours they served us drinks and pretzels and we landed with air conditioning so how can i how can I expect them to appreciate the pioneers? What can, we, what can we do? One thing you can do is read some of their stories. For example, my great-grandfather, Henry Ballard, was a convert to the church of 17 years of age in England. I think he might have. Was Henry Ballard the uh, apostle? I don't know, but uh, I don't know if he was the one that said, you know, you don't know you're dead when you die. But anyways, again, he's going to brag about him for a minute. He made his way here. He made a contract with the Snow family to drive a herd of sheep across the plains. Oh. 
when he came in through this valley. He was naked. Uh, he, his clothes were so tattered, he hid all day. Yeah. Because he wasn't totally clothed. I mean, apparently his junk was hanging out uh, when he got here. I mean, he, he was so, you know, had no clothes or anything. Because he was so embarrassed. Like, I mean, if he, if he was just, like, shirtless, I don't think it would be a big deal. But obviously his junk was hanging out or his ass was hanging out. Something was going on. Because he was like literally hiding, you know, because he was naked, kind of like Adam in the Garden of Eden, right? I mean, what a what a great uh, what a great story. And then at night, he saw the lights on in the cabin, Faith and he promoting. prayed that he would, whoever would answer the door, would be a man, not a woman. And he begged for clothes <laughs> to be able to come in to the Salt Lake Valley. A naked guy knocks on your door late at night. Hey, can I get some clothes, man? I, I just came across the plains, and uh, uh, please don't let your wife see me. Oh, my God, I'm naked, you know. But then again, they were polygamous, and, you know, they liked to be naked with as many women as they could. So, you know, I don't know what was the problem. I, I just think history of our uh, ancestors that came in here, regardless of what religion they may have have uh, been uh, believing in is a great way to come very quickly to an appreciation and an affection for our pioneer heritage. It's not a Mormon story. It's, oh, a, no. it's a pioneer story. Uh, it's the story of... Uh, of uh, Has nothing to do with Mormons. The Mormon pioneers have nothing to do with Mormons. The, the days of 47 has nothing to do with Mormons. I mean, it, this is just a, a random story about some pioneers who just happen to be Mormon. <laughs> oh, shit. The pioneer movement into the West. Oh. Think Brigham Young would come and look over the valley today and say this is still the place? I think... Oh, yeah, he'd come and say, man, there's a lot of hot chicks I want to bang. That's what he'd say. Like, oh, my God, you know, he'd be trying to... He'd be sitting in jail for, you know... Be, having been married to so many women and for, uh, you know, basically threatening other women, uh, asking uh, multiple women to be his wife. I mean, he'd be like sitting in the at point of the mountain. Well, and then after Mountain Meadows, of course, he'd definitely be at point of the mountain. So, yeah, that's where he'd be right now. I think absolutely. I think he probably saw it. Oh, yeah. He's as so to visionary. what it would become. Uh -huh. You remember, there was a great move to try to, a lot of people wanted to go to California. And uh, Brigham Young said, no, you stay here. There's more wealth in the mountains of Utah than all of California. And I guess, according to the most recent statements, uh, Utah is one of the most prosperous states right now in the entire union. So, so yes, it's still the so place. So still, I think Brigham Young's smiling. Yes, Dave. Considering all the calamities in the world, what lessons can we learn from the pioneers which will kind of help us from, from freaking out here in 2016. Well, I think uh, the most important thing anybody can learn is the go. spiritual oh. inner person being at peace. Okay. The world can fall apart. Unless you're gay. The world can have lots of troubles. Or the children of a legally but gay But if an individual couple. is at peace within themselves, we just be or good people and try to be nice to each other oh, and help each other. Be nice. Help. Then, 
and condemn gay people and apostates and those who question and don't believe in this bullshit or uh, that criticize the leaders of the church when you can't even criticize them when it's true, according to Oaks. Inner peace will see us through whatever may be ahead of us. Ballard will be the Grand Marshal for the Days of 47 Parade tomorrow morning here in Salt Lake City and watch it right here on KSL-TV at 9 a.m. And how are you supposed to have that inner peace when, you know, you're, say, in apostate or you're gay, you don't believe in the church, or you're questioning the beliefs, and all your family and all your friends are tied to the church and they're all condemning you, uh, the bishop's calling a court on you because you publicly question the church, uh, or you are, you know, openly gay. How the fuck are you supposed to have inner peace? You can't, you know, and that's what's leading to the depression and the suicide that's going on. It's absolutely horrific. Uh, and this motherfucker is going to sit here and talk about everyone should have inner peace and that's going to get you through and you're going to be okay and be loving and kind and give people a hug, you know, he's now saying. But, you know, again, unless you're an apostate, unless you're gay, uh, unless you're a Mormon feminist, you know, fuck you, uh, get out of here, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I just can't believe that people are buying it. But again, I think less and less are buying it. So that's good. That's really good. That's why I'm going to keep pounding this drum and doing this show so we can continue to expose these guys and their lies and their fraud. That's why they hate me. That's why they hate this show. That's why they listen to this show. They're obsessed with me and this show. And, and all of you that are listening and calling in, um, there's no question, I'm going to do a show on this, but there's no question that they have people that are assigned to uh, follow us, to keep track of us, to listen to the show, to know what's being said. I mean, there's no question that they're recording every episode, um, you know, to keep it in their archives for I don't know what, but uh, I mean, maybe at some point they plan on trying to come after me. Good luck. I have the freedom I have constitutional rights to express my opinions about you, and there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. So go for it. Come get me. Anyway, uh, yeah, so there you go. I mean, that, that was him from 2016, and you heard him in 2018. I mean, meanwhile, they have this gay hate doctrine, right? I mean, they're even banning children. They're going after children, babies, even little tiny babies, infants that were just born. They can't get a name and a blessing out of these motherfuckers. You know, I mean, I'm just saying, like, and, and, and the reason that I would care is because the people that they're doing it to still believe in the church. Like, they still, I mean, for whatever crazy reason, they still believe in the church. And so that's what's causing them to be depressed. And then it's causing, you know, a rift in the family where you've got, like, the straight mother and the gay husband or vice versa. And... And then you've got kids in the family. Some have already been baptized. Now the other ones can't get baptized. And, and then they go to school and, you know, they're all their friends are Mormon and baptized. And they're wondering, why aren't you baptized? Well, I can't get baptized because my, my mom's a lesbian or my daddy's gay and they're in a happy relationship. Oh, shit, you know. Wow, I don't know if I want to be your friend anymore. If, you know, your parents are uh, gay. Uh, you know, I mean, it's created so many fucking problems. And then they keep saying, oh, we love gay people. We love them. We, we want them to be a part of the church, and we just want them to help us, and they mean so much to, oh, bullshit. You know, and oh, and we're going to donate $25,000 to Affirmation just to prove how much we love the gay people, and we're going to throw our support behind, 
you know, loud, live loud, or what is it, loud love, love loud, whatever, man. I mean, the concert, you know, with uh, Jeremy Wren LDS, uh, you know, who, who just can't get enough of their support and their understanding and their money or whatever, who knows what they're doing. But, you know, he talks about how he's still in touch with the church and everything's great. Uh, you know, I mean, it just it blows him away how supportive they're being. I mean, this guy doesn't have a fucking clue. I mean, meanwhile, the doctrine is the same. I'm going to keep saying it. The doctrine has not changed. The doctrine is the same. If you're a gay married couple, your children are banned, and you're considered, uh, you know, that you have to have a mandatory court and that you're worse than rapists, attempted murderers, child sex abusers, etc., etc. You are pieces of shit. So Bauer doesn't want you to get a hug. Bauer doesn't want you to have inner peace. He wants you gone. He wants you out of his hair, man. He wants you... You know, that's, that's why I don't believe that they care about any of the suicides. Not even a little bit. Not even a tiny little bit. In fact, they are encouraging the suicides by continuing to have their gay hate doctrine. And we got to keep reminding everybody of this. We can't, we just can't let their bullshit and their PR win. You know, that, that oh, I mean, I mean the, the gay community as a whole seemed to buy it, you know, in the church. Like, oh, it's so wonderful, but... But I think, you know, I, I just hope that we can help open eyes and, and spread this more and more and let people know the reality of what's happening. I mean, I would rather that they know now than have false hope for the next two years and then realize nothing's changing and then get depressed and commit suicide. I mean, I, it, it, the sooner you can know, the better. Then you can move on. You know, you got to move on. You got to realize that they're not going to change. They don't give a fuck about you. I'm sorry. They don't. Um, and so, uh, I mean, do they care about Kip Eliason when he killed himself because of masturbation and his obsessive bishop and he had to go to get special counseling and then finally it was too much and he just killed himself? They don't care. They don't care if you kill yourself because you're a masturbator. They don't care if you kill yourself because you're gay. I mean, they couldn't care less. They just want to move on, you know, and they want people to believe that they actually love everyone. Anyway, it's disgusting. It really is. I mean, it's just absolutely appalling. Uh, so now, what I wanted to play now for everybody was, uh, let's see here. Let me see if I've got uh, this other clip ready for you. Um, you know what? I think I have it on. Hang on just a moment here. Yeah, let me, uh, let me go ahead and put Now, this is really funny because, like I was telling you guys, uh, when I, you know, kind of transitioning here back to the Silver Fox, uh, you know, when I, um, like I was saying, you know, when I went to the parade, it was like they were rock stars. Everybody loved them. And so this is back in 2013 where, I mean, the climate has changed dramatically in the last five years. You know, uh, a lot of people resigning and they, they estimate what 90 to 100,000 people a year are resigning. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, we're talking over a million people. We're talking billions of dollars in tithing. That's all been lost in the last, you know, decade, 12 years. I mean, over a million people have probably resigned. And that doesn't, that's, those are just the people that officially resigned. That doesn't count the people that have just stopped going and don't give a fuck anymore, right? So, anyway, I found this clip from uh, Dieter Fuckdork when he was a Grand Marshal back in... 2013 and when they announced him on the parade route this is somebody that was actually in the crowd recording and, and listen to the crowd go wild you know listen i mean it's amazing 
Uh, I really hope I can find a clip of him from last year to see if the crowd went nuts. I know I have it recorded. Um, I have it archived, so I'll, I'll find it at some point and see if I can get that clip for you guys. But in the meantime, I wanted you guys to hear this. And again, this is Dieter. This is Dieter Fuckdork from 2013. It's kind of loud, so I'll try to adjust it on the fly here. All right, here we go. There he is, waving his cowboy hat. Everyone wave hello to the Silver Fox this morning. Good morning, Silver Fox. <laughs> oh, man. There he is. Let me just back it up again here real quick. Uh, I mean, it's the Silver Fox, everybody. Say, wave to the Silver Fox, baby. <laughs> here we go. They're clapping, cheering. I mean, listen to the crowd. They're going nuts, man. Bodyguards. <laughs> oh, my God. Everybody wave to the Silver Fox. Good morning, Silver Fox. I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, they didn't announce him as, uh, you know, like the big man, but he was the Silver Fox. Um, I wanted to, uh, let's see here, it's really interesting, because um, he had, uh, let's see here, how many bodyguards did he have? Let me just back it up here a little bit and take a look. One, two, I thought there were four. Let's see here, I'm just going to mute it so you don't have to hear it again, but I just want to watch it and just see, verify yeah, he's got two bodyguards. No, three. I'm, yeah, there's three bodyguards, two on each side, one in the back, you know, protecting him. But he's in a convertible uh, with his wife, and he's got a cowboy hat, and he's waving the hat and just waving it. And then there was another car behind him, um, you know. So you had the bodyguards, and then you had another car. Um, but I, it's really interesting. With Boward, there were no bodyguards. So, uh, But there is a vehicle behind his vehicle, you know, a plane vehicle, which probably has the bodyguards in it. So, um, if anything, you know, anyone tried anything. But the truth is, no one even realized he was there. Nobody gave a shit. So, you know, why have bodyguards when no one even cares, right? I mean, uh, but how would it be, you know? Like, why, why do they have bodyguards? You know, like, I, uh, I talked about that couple that was serving over in Nicaragua, and they had bodyguards, and I'm thinking, wow, wouldn't it be nice if the missionaries had bodyguards? I mean, they're working in dangerous areas like Tipi Tapa, and they have no bodyguards, you know? The guys come out at night drunk with machetes. They talked about that. It was like every night they were roaming the streets with machetes, and, um, you know, one guy uh, had a gun held to his head, um, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, they don't get bodyguards. I didn't have a bodyguard. Why should anyone get a bodyguard? You know, do it for everyone or do it for no one. I mean, why, why would this missionary couple be more important than the average little missionary, you know? It's, uh, again, it just shows how they believe that they're so much better than everybody else. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so there you have it. Uh, the Silver Fox was alive and well in 2013. And then again last year, and I'll try and find that clip for you. But uh, this year, 
no one gave a damn. So, and again, I really need to find a clip of Ballard from 2016 uh, to see if uh, you know anybody cared about him. Let me just look up. Uh, let me just look real quick and see if I can find it. Uh, Ballard parade. Let's just see what comes up. Uh, I'll put 2016. Let's see what I can find here, if anything. Um, nah, I mean, again, I, no one probably gave a shit back then either. So it's got to be, I mean, do they realize that no one cares? I, I just, I don't even know if they're aware of it. Um, let's see here. You know, and what's what else is amazing is, like, I'm looking at a, just like a photo still of a talk that he gave, uh, let us think straight. It looks like it might be a BYU talk or something. I mean, empty seats everywhere. You know, like when I watch the BYU devotionals, which uh, will probably be coming back in September, you know, the, the weekly devotional. I mean, watch one of them. Just, you know, put on KBYU and, on a Tuesday and watch one of the devotionals, and you're going to be stunned at the amount of empty seats. When I was going to BYU... The place was fucking packed. I mean, you had to get there early to make sure you got a good seat, you know, or got a seat. I mean, the place would be like a sellout. Now it's like just scattered people here and there all over, you know. Like, I mean, it, it's got to, I mean, at some point they got to realize that people are not giving a shit anymore. I mean, if I showed up to talk and I was used to sell out crowds and I show up and there's like, you know, a few hundred people scattered throughout, you know, a 20 plus thousand seat arena... I'm going to be like, holy shit, what's going on, man? You know, I mean, they, they ought to start making it mandatory. <laughs> Sorry, BYU students, but they ought to start saying, hey, if you don't come to the, like, they scan you at the door and keep track if you went. I mean, it's probably coming, you know, where they're going to be like, you have to go to the devotional. Because, I mean, it's a downright embarrassment right now that, that no one's going to these devotionals in comparison to what they used to have. So, I mean, even in the conference sessions, I saw slews of empty seats and then the penis hood session and i mean there's always all these empty seats all over the place and their their power is slipping the other thing that's really hurting them is all these uh new order mormons you know i mean you have guys like john delin saying hey just believe what you want and reject the rest and you know basically lie in your recommend interview and it's okay you know and people are like okay you know and so people are more willing to listen to him than they are to these guys, you know. And so, uh, again, like I've said many times, people are creating their own church within the church. That's what they're doing. They have to in order to survive and stay in the church because it's just not palatable anymore, you know. It's just so, I mean, they've, they've learned so many things and they've heard so much and they're disgusted and so they have to go, well, I don't believe that they can't ever lead astray, and I don't believe that they're right on gay marriage, and I don't believe... So what they've essentially done is become apostates. They are... If you're a New Order Mormon, you are an apostate, officially an apostate. You do not believe in the core beliefs of the church. You do not fully sustain the leaders of the church. You cannot pass a Temple Recommend interview honestly. You have to lie. And so what's the point? If you have to, to, in order to stay in the church, if you have to create your own church within the church and lie in your Temple Recommend interview, why the fuck are you staying in the church? You know, I mean, if you want to uh, just go for the social, uh, go ahead and resign and then just show up every week and say, hey, everyone, how's it going? You know, and go ahead and kick it with everybody, but don't worry about having to be, you know, excommunicated or, or Temple Recommend interviews or anything, but 
you know, there's the rub, right? The people want to stay in the church. They want to have a temple recommend because they somehow still believe that they need the temple to have their eternal family, but the big 15 are full of shit. Go figure. I, I can't quite figure it out, but... And, and the real shocking ones are the New Order ex-Mormons. I don't even want to go there right now. Uh, but that's, a, that's a, a term that I've coined. I don't believe anyone else has ever used that term, but New Order ex-Mormons are alive and well and, and spreading, it seems, uh, much to my uh, <laughs> disappointment. Um, yeah, so, so basically, uh, I don't know, and, and overall, like, I, um, I haven't watched the entire parade, I watched most of it, but, uh, the floats were not very impressive, uh, there was a really weak BYU float that was like, uh, look to the future or something, and it was just wimpy and little, and they were like, oh, good job, BYU, that's awesome, you know, and, um, I guess I could, uh, find that clip, you know, if I looked hard enough here. Let me just look here and see if I can see it in the little, uh, screen here. I'm trying to, I think it was, uh, towards the end of the first hour. Maybe that's it right there. No, that's the KSL float, I think. Oh, yeah. And, and I discovered yesterday, I didn't even realize it, but Casey... Shit, I forgot his last name, but he he was the Channel 2 guy. He's now KSL's guy. So I don't know if he got fired or quit Channel 2, but KSL scooped him up, and they're acting like he's their best friend, and he's been there forever. And <laughs> I'm like, what the, when did this happen? <laughs> so I guess earlier back this year, I wasn't paying attention, and, uh, and basically he got picked up by uh, KSL. I'm like, shit, cool. Yeah, I don't know. Let me just look here, see if I can find this BYU float for you. Where they were, like, praising him. Uh, is that it? That's it. I think I found it. Yeah, there we go. Alright, let's see here. Let me see if I can, uh... I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but it looked like it, so let's go ahead and play it. League right now are 17s and 19s, top of the world. Our U15s have won three national tournaments this year. It looks bright for Utah. All right. Thank you, Delore. Thank you, Julie. I appreciate it. Right now, i got to throw it back to Mike Hedrick because I don't think it'd be proper if I commented on this float. No, you should not comment <laughs> on it. In fact, I don't know if Deanie should comment either. Oh, I'm just going to take the stage. That's right. <laughs> Deanie is nice to all us Cougs. All right. Uh, this year's float featuring Y Mountain with a timeline. Y Mountain. And you've, you've got a couple of girls on there, and they're just, like, dancing away, and they're pretending to sing. Uh, into their fist. Uh, I mean, they could have at least got them like real microphones or something. I mean, it's just so cheap looking. I mean, it's got a big mountain with a Y on it, you know. Uh, I mean, they they used to have, and they probably still do, but they had the the uh, the apartments for married couples called Y Mount, <laughs> which is very appropriate. Y Mount, you know. Y Mount. Uh, well, make babies. Uh, anyway. Uh, Let's see here. I mean, it was always kind of like, kind of gross, you know. It was like, hey, all the married couples are there banging like bunnies to make all their bunnies, you know. Anyway, let's, let me, uh, I don't know what he was talking about before that. I thought I had the wrong audio on there, but then they go back to the BYU float. So here we go again. I commented on this float. No, you should not comment on it. In fact, I don't know if Deanie should comment either. Oh, I'm just going to take the stage. That's right. Deanie is nice to all us Cougs. All right. Uh, this year's float featuring Y Mountain with a timeline of BYU's historic events coming out of it. The front featuring a third BYU logo. BYU's historic events? Like what? Um, and they have like a little cougar in the front and 
I don't know, people waving. Top with, or three DBYU logo rather, topped with a baby cougar. The side of the float has their title on it, Foundations for Our Future. There you go. Good job, Cougs. Way to represent. I like that. Dean, you got to like it a little bit, don't you? I, Even oh, a little bit? Of course bit. I do. Of course I do. <laughs> you know, you oh, yeah, they've got 1875, 1975. Um, they got a football helmet on there. I mean, their biggest achievement ever is probably uh, winning the national championship, you know, with Bosco in, uh, what was that, 85? Uh, Why well, they got 75 on there? I don't know. And that's weird, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out why they would put 1975 on there for their football. Um, let me just look up something here real quick. I'm sorry, it was 84, 84. I can't believe I forgot that. I was such a huge BYU fan. Uh, that was the year they beat uh, Michigan 24-17 in the Holiday Bowl. Um, I believe, yeah, the 84 Holiday Bowl won the national championship. But 75, I don't know. It's like, what happened in 75? Let me just look it up here. It's kind of weird. I mean, they got 1975 and then the football helmet here. Okay, their 1975 season. Let's take a look. Wikipedia's got us covered here. Uh, well, let's see. They lost their first three games to Bowling Green, Colorado State, and Arizona State. Then they won three games, and they lost to Arizona. And then they ended the season losing to uh, Southern Mississippi. So they ended up with a record of 6-5. and five, And it doesn't look like they went to a bowl game. So... Unless that was a bowl game, no, November 29, no, non-conference upcoming, no. So, uh, so yeah, I guess uh, they're promoting a six and five football season. I have no idea, man. Oh God, I mean, maybe the 1975, like right above the football helmet and the football, have nothing to do with anything, but it was just bad placement. But yeah, look, go ahead, look up their 1975 season. Boy, it was great. It was awesome. They ended up losing their final game. 42 to 14. Isn't that awesome? Uh, they did beat Utah that year, 51 to 20. Uh, but they, uh, I mean, they, to lose at home to Bowling Green, I mean, oof, ouch. Um, I mean, maybe they were a powerhouse back then. I don't know. But I've actually been to the modern Bowling Green football stadium, and it's an embarrassment. Anyway, uh, yeah, I was working in that area, and I'm like, oh, Bowling Green, I'll swing by. I'm like, oh, my God. It was like worse than most high school stadiums, you know? All right, so anyway, on that note. Um, Utah's higher education, we, we've, got, we've got great institutions. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And, and, they're, and they're excited and happy to be there. All right, this one. Uh, this one I, I don't even know what the girls on the float are doing. Like, two of them on the front are waving to everyone, and the two in the back are dancing, doing crazy dance moves. The one has a scarf on her head. or you know, again, singing into their fist. I mean, it's just weird, you know. I guess they're just having fun, just having a good time. But I don't really know what they have to do with anything, you know. Um, wow. Uh, let's see here. That's amazing. <laughs> what a what a beautiful float. And again, it's a pretty cheap float. So anyway, uh, that's about that on the parade. Um, I, you know, again, it wouldn't surprise me if at some point they just bag it and the outrage would be incredible. But uh, who knows? I guess we'll see what happens.
All right, so where are we at here? Yeah, so I wanted to just talk about for a minute the uh, the, the pioneers, you know, I mean, be, since it was Pioneer Day, everyone talks about the pioneers like, you know, hey, it was all wonderful and everybody came here, you know, except for Ballard telling the story about Henry Ballard, you know, showing up with something hanging out, you know, and having to hide till nighttime and praying that a woman wouldn't answer the door. Um, I mean, you would have thought he would have proudly walked up to the door of this junk hanging out and said, Hey, baby, you got some clothes for me? And maybe we can bang in the meantime. I mean, why not, right? Um, let's see here. Oh, my husband wouldn't like that. Well, that's okay. In fact, you want to be my wife? Well, I'm already married. I don't give a damn. Who cares? You know, marry me too. Uh, let me steal you from your husband. You know, your marriage isn't valid if it isn't through the church. Oh, well, we did get married in the church. Well, that's okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see here. So, uh, yeah, I found an article uh, called Death in the Trek. It's a study of Mormon pioneer mortality. I'm just going to talk about this for a minute. Um, but, you know, it says the final stanza of the Mormon pioneer anthem, yeah, Come, Come Ye Saints, directly confronts the prospect of dying on the trail. I mean, this is supposed to be like a really uplifting hymn, right? And it ends with, and should we die before our journey's through? You know, and they, they leave out the last part. Happy days, I believe it is. Uh, here, let me let me pull that up here really quick. I, I think it's like happy days all as well. Um, let's see here. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, let's see here. Yeah. Isn't it wonderful? I mean, happy days... Uh, and that was long before Fonzie, so, uh, let's see, and Richie Cunningham. Yeah, and should we die before our journey's through, happy day, all is well. And then, and, oh, we then are free from toil and sorrow too, with the just we shall dwell. But if our lives are spared again, to see the saints their rest obtain, oh, how we'll make this chorus swell, all is well, all is well. So, if we happen to live, great. But in the meantime, if we die, happy day. Happy day, baby. We're dead. All right. You know, I mean, Monson gave that talk about uh, pioneers over in Europe uh, making a trek and how this woman lost all her children one by one. And she had to dig the graves with, you know, the, into the frozen ground. It was very dramatic, you know. And she had to dig the graves with a spoon. And eventually she lost the spoon or it broke or something. So the final grave for her infant baby, she had to dig that with her fingers. And, it, I mean, it's so inspirational, you know. It just makes your, makes your bosom burn like a mofo, right? So, I mean, that's how twisted they are. And you know, they find that stuff to be just, oh, God, it's so awesome. Anyway, so I found this article, and it was kind of interesting. Um, basically, they were talking about how many pioneers died in the trek. And I looked this up before, it had been a long time, but it says that uh, they, they uh, worked with a team of scientists at BYU to analyze 56,000 pioneer records from 1847 to 1868. And of the 56,000, there were an estimated 1,900 people who died either on the plains or within the calendar year of their arrival. Now, what they've done here is they, they like to use statistics like Kind of like when missionaries die, you know, like when Morgan Young got shot in the neck or the head and died, and uh, Hinckley showed up to the funeral, 
to reassure everybody that you know that he probably would have died anyway had he stayed home because you're less likely to die on your mission even though he was dead uh, than you would if you stayed home so you know he would have died anyway so who gives a shit right um, and then of course we've got uh, let me pull up the uh, famous Boward audio that I thankfully grabbed off of LDS.org years ago it's been long gone for a long time um, let me just pull this up real quick for everyone. Uh, you know, where he basically says, you know, hey, uh, you know, I don't care if missionaries die. You know, it doesn't really matter. Um, let me just pull it up here for you. Do, do, do. Here we go. Boward. Uh, yeah, we, I have the we don't know we're dead when we die. Uh, but Boward. Not caring if missionaries die because the work must go forward so let me go ahead and play this for you guys this work will continue to go forward regardless of what happens regardless of what the future may hold if there are other missionaries that are hurt or other missionaries that are killed it will not stop this work Joseph Smith made that abundantly clear that there would be nothing that would stop this work from rolling forward till the great Jehovah comes forward and says the work is done. And he hasn't, hasn't said happened. that yet. Yeah, it hasn't happened. Yeah, so there you go. You know, other, if other missionaries are hurt or killed, it will not stop this work. So, I mean, they they should never ever even pretend to care about people killing themselves because they love it. They love it. I mean, and they use it. You know, when a missionary dies, they try and, and spin it and twist it into something faith promoting. So anyway, back to the pioneers here. They're using statistics to show that, you know, hey, uh, you know, the amount of deaths of the pioneers was pretty normal compared to regular society. So it really had nothing to do with it. Um, it said that, uh, you know, 1,900 people died. Uh, it's about 3.5% mortality rate, whereas a national comparison group in 1850, which I'm sure they handpicked uh, carefully, uh, experience an annual mortality rate between 2.5 and 2.9 percent. So hey, it's only like you know, 0.6 to 1 percent higher. I mean, come on, that's not bad, right? I mean, that's great. Um, you know, so uh, skimming through this here, um, I mean, they're looking at you know how many people were were there in this immigration, how many pioneers died, and the breakdowns of these deaths. Um, so they went through their journals and their histories, and they said that many of those who died suffered from illnesses common to the time period, such as cholera or dysentery. And I'm sure they had no greater chance of picking any of that shit up, you know, coming to Utah. Uh, there were also considerable risks from some form of accident along the immigration trail, such as being run over by a wagon, stampeded, or accidentally shot. There you go. Yeah, so that there, I guess there were a few risks, you know, when coming over in the, in the wagon trains. It says only four deaths were reported from, uh, from Native Americans. Uh, two were eaten by wolves. Two suffered a poisonous bite or a scorpion sting. And one was murdered. Uh, I, hope, I hope they did a breakdown of Mountain Meadows as well. You know, and the 120 plus people that were, you know, innocent and executed by... Mormon leaders at the behest of Brigham Young. I hope that they, I hope they did an equal, you know, study of that. Um, I mean, that was like 120 plus people that were murdered. 
says the pioneer's mode of travel proved a major factor. Those traveling by wagons saw a mortality rate of 3.5%, but the mortality rate for the roughly 3,000 who traveled by handcart was higher. Ah, now we're getting to something here. Uh, so again, they're you know bragging about the stats here, but then they talk about the the ill-fated Willie and Martin handcart handcart companies suffered a 16.5% mortality rate. And the two handcart companies left late July of 1856 and the late departure, thank you Brigham Young, uh, led to these companies experiencing many hardships in the winter months with the eventual need for rescue wagons sent from Salt Lake. Of course, if Brigham Young was a prophet and he could see into the future and understand what was about to happen, he never would have let that happen, right? Of course not. Well, then again, you know, maybe he would have. Uh, but, I mean, it just shows you that he had no vision. He had no connection to God or anything. Uh, since this story is told so often, there's a perception that such hardship was the norm. So only 5% of the immigrants traveled by handcart. Of those, a thou I mean, only five, you know. Um, but they were people, and a lot of them died. I mean, if you if you go by, um, let's see here, a thousand from the William Hamart Company, and they said 16.5% died. So, I mean, that was like 165 people out of a thousand. It's a lot of people, you know, that's more than Mountain Meadows. Uh, I mean, Brigham Young had a lot of blood on his hands. Anyway, he says, not counting the Willie and Martin companies, pioneers that traveled by handcart experienced a 4.7% mortality rate. So let's go ahead and take out the, uh, the, you know, the Willie and Martin company, uh, since that was 16.5%, and now we're down to 4.7%. So getting better, getting better here. Um, but he said if you take out the Willie and Martin company and you look at the mortality of those, uh, in handcarts compared to pioneers traveling by wagon, the mortality is still much higher. Yes, no kidding. All right, so uh, uh, gender breakdown is quite balanced. There were uh, 26,615 females, 28,306 males. In conjunction with the balanced number of females versus males, their mortality rate is also quite similar with females at 3.6 and males at 3.3. Um, Half of the immigrants were under the age of 20, and the mortality rate for this age demographic was a surprisingly low 1.75%. But they were younger, and they were more resilient, you know. Um, and then it talks about pioneer babies fared better than expected on the trail, given infant mortality rates at the time. Um, they're not sure about the cause, but one possible explanation is that some expected mothers chose to wait to make the journey. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, anyway, just kind of interesting, you know, to look at that. Uh, so, I mean, a lot of people suffered and died, and they like to brag about that, to make a big deal out of it. Um, and there you go. And then they have a big parade to celebrate it, but you don't see them, you know, talking much about the people that died. So I thought I would. I thought I would discuss that. And Demon and I have talked about that before. Um, many times here on the show, um, but uh, I mean, it was, I mean, and again, they like to say, well, there was only, you know, only a thousand that had to, in the Willie and Martin company, and, you know, it was only 16.5 percent, you know, so again, it's like life just seems to be so meaningless to them, um, as long as they survive. I mean, Brigham Young, he got here safely in his nice 
luxury, you know, wagon. Um, he had plenty of food and water and warmth and blankets. And, I mean, they weren't going to let that motherfucker die, you know. And, but he didn't care about other people that died. But then why would he when he was preaching blood atonement, you know, blood-curdling sermons from the pulpit at the tabernacle? You know, why, why would he care about anybody dying other than himself? Uh, you know, because he didn't. I mean, he, he ordered the execution of innocent people. I mean, it's pretty clear. There's enough evidence out there now to say that he ordered the massacre at Mountain Meadows. Um, so, you know, when he's at the pulpit preaching, you know, interracial couples should receive death on the spot and have their heads cut off and, uh, you know, blood atonement and all that. I mean, this was not a man that cared about other people's lives. So, uh, anyway, yeah, on, on happy Pioneer Day. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there's a lot of death and suffering that came with it. So they, like you, they, they just like you to believe that it was all, you know, just uh, wonderful, you know, uh, everyone playing tiddlywinks on the way over and just a lot of fun and kumbaya, baby. And, but there were a lot of people that suffered and a lot of people that died because of Brigham Young, both Mormons and non-Mormons. Sadly. Anyway, uh, interesting, right? Um, but, yeah, another Pioneer Day is coming and gone, so uh, I just wanted to cover it for you guys. Uh, I'll watch the rest of the parade and see if there's anything else that I want to report on, and I'll try and locate, when I get a chance, I'll try and locate the, uh, the parade from last year to see if people were still going nuts over the Silver Fox. And I can't seem to find any audio of Ballard from 2016, but um, you know what? I know I have that parade on uh, recorded as well in archive, so I'll try to look those up for you guys and see what I can find. I'll have to do some searching on my uh, external drives to locate them, but I'll also look online and see if anyone might have posted them as well. That would save me a lot of uh, time and trouble, but anyway... Uh, yeah, so that's it, folks. Uh, I just wanted to cover the parade on this particular show and talk about it. And I'll uh, be back again, you know, tomorrow morning at 1 a.m. Um, and we'll just keep talking about something else. There's always something going on. But Pioneer Day is, you know, the, the Mormon group orgasm heard around the world. Everyone gets fired up. But then again, I mean, they used to. But it appears that maybe that excitement is waning. And again, the quality of the parade is waning. Um, I mean, one of the main things that they kept showing over and over were the police officers doing their little formations on their, on their you know, motorcycles. And I mean, it is pretty impressive, but uh, there should be, you know, a lot more highlights than that. Um, and, and they kept talking about their mustaches and I guess the one group, they all have matching mustaches or something. And so they were talking about that and, uh, it, it was like they were really reaching, you know, they had to really reach to find something exciting. And then you have the BYU float that was a total joke. You're like, wow, you know, <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't know, man, it, this, uh, the stronghold or stranglehold they have on the state of Utah continues politically but it seems to be waning otherwise and I'm really happy to see that I'm glad that they don't really realize it but you know the more people pull away the more people resign the less power and authority they have 
and that is great news for a, a, a Mormon-dominated state like Utah. It's wonderful to see it. Um, I mean, they've already lost their foothold if they ever had one anywhere else. I mean, you know, all around the world. I mean, if you take out Utah and Idaho and maybe Arizona, take out those three states, maybe Wyoming, kind of. But, you know, like here in the, in the West, in this vicinity, if you take that away, I'm going to do what they do. You know, hey, if you take away the, the you know, Martin Handcart company, uh, then it was only 4.7%, you know, and uh, you would have died anyway. You know, more likely uh, you would have died at home or on the track. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Uh, you know, you would have died on your mission or at home, and, but you went on a mission and died. So at least you died there, and now you can go to the celestial kingdom, right? Uh, I mean, it's just crazy, right? But uh, the way they twist everything around. But anyway, I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, if you... Ah, shit, I forgot what I was saying. If you take away some... I was... <laughs> yeah, I got caught up in their stats. Um, let's see, what was I talking about? Anyway... Bottom line is, I mean, if you uh, if you look, oh yeah, if you look at these states here, you know, this is, I mean, where the most Mormons in the world are concentrated, mostly Utah and Idaho, and they they've really lost. I mean, Europe is pretty much gone. Uh, South America and Central America are going, going, gone. They've been going, going, gone for a long time. And then you look at you know Africa, like that's their big hope is Africa. And eventually, one day, they're going to wake up, and they're going to have more internet, be more connected, and find out that they were banned until 1978. So their only other real hope ever to expand would be China, and that ain't going to happen, you know? Um, I don't believe that the church will ever take off in India or any of those, you know, any other countries, uh, you know, with predominant religions um, you know, that are completely contrary to Mormonism. Not going to happen. And so, uh, good luck. And, and then at the same time, simultaneously, what's happening is with the Internet and all the education out there, people are discovering the truth about Mormonism. And so, uh, you know, I mean, they're literally on, on their deathbed. And, and they're losing support even among their most loyal supporters. Uh, even they don't care as much. I mean, I, I know some people personally that I've talked to recently that are still more diehard than I thought they were. You know, I thought maybe they, there was some hope there, or there was an opening, and there isn't. I mean, they slammed it shut. I tried to, you know, bring up some things, and they were like, nope, you know, they weren't having any of it. So there are still diehards out there, but I think there are fewer uh, than there before. Now, another really interesting observation about yesterday. Oh, you know, that's another thing, too. I got to just bring up real quick, uh, and then I'll give my observation. But the Boy Scouts, that's another thing they scrapped, you know. I mean, I talked about all the things they scrapped, you know, the, the you know, penis obsession once a year, the uh, high priest quorum, um, you know. And let's not forget about the Boy Scouts. I mean, after all these years and Monson and his dedication to the Boy Scouts, as soon as he's gone, boom, they drop the Boy Scouts completely. And so in my particular ward, they would come around and ask for donations each year, and then they would uh, put flags on your lawn for each you know, uh, patriotic holiday, like, like Flag Day, the 4th of July, the 24th. You know, they would come around and put flags on everybody's lawn, Memorial Day, uh, you know. 
And so now, like, they don't have that anymore. They're not doing, apparently not doing any fundraisers or anything. And they don't have the Boy Scouts. So uh, normally, it's really weird, but normally my entire neighborhood is blanketed with flags. Uh, you know, for the 4th, 24th, and this particular year, uh, my wife was driving home yesterday. I hadn't really looked outside to see what was going on. But there was just like a flag here, a flag there. Um, I mean, I, th I think we saw a total of three flags in like a two block radius when normally you would see like 50 flags. And so I found that to be really interesting. I was like, holy shit, she's right. And I went outside and looked. I'm like, damn, what happened? So apparently, you know, unless you pay them the money, they're not going to put a flag on your lawn. So the people that had a flag... Uh, were like really diehards in the ward, leaders in the ward and stuff. And they had flags, but it must have been really easy last night when they had to come around and pick up the flags. Probably took them about five minutes versus, you know, an hour or two. I mean, it was just, again, very strange, but another sign. Another sign that things are not what they were and, and probably never will be again. I mean, how are they ever going to recover from this? I mean, they, they are losing steam so quick i mean they're like a steam engine with no steam so it's, it's just good to see i like it i like it a lot so anyway and, and again mormons like to consider themselves to be so patriotic when the whole reason they came out here to utah was to get out of the united states of america so they could come out here to utah and they could kill people and they could be polygamous and they could marry child brides and do all their illegal shit that they were so fond of, there were, you know, direct commandments from God. That's why they came out here. So what, there was nothing patriotic at all about Mormons, ever. I mean, you know, and so it's amazing how now, today, they seem to, uh, you know, be linked to patriotism and all that. Uh, but that is not how it began. I mean, uh, Joseph Smith was not a patriotic dude. Uh, Brigham Young certainly was not. And many of the presidents have not. And they defied the government, you know, so many times. Um, you know, I mean, when they built the monument for Mountain Meadows, Brigham Young had it torn down, you know, where it said that uh, the, about the Lord God taketh revenge or whatever, and, and he got it torn down. Um, the whole polygamy thing, you know, the government was going to confiscate all their property, and so then they had to do the manifesto to stop doing polygamy. But, I mean, they were breaking the laws of the land from, you know, what, 1840 to 1890 and then beyond, you know, and then 1910. I mean, they had to do another manifesto. I think there was even a third manifesto. Okay, we're really serious now. We're not going to do polygamy anymore. But, I mean, they were always defiant against the government. And what are they doing today? Same thing with gay marriage. You know, it's a law of the land. They claim to respect the the kings and magistrates and laws and all that and the articles of faith, but yet uh, they reject gay marriage and have spent millions and millions of dollars and asked their members to donate millions of dollars to fight against the law of the land. And they will continue to do that. So uh, they're not patriotic. You know, maybe individual members are patriotic, but the church is not patriotic. I mean, they are anti-American in every way. I mean, and so, I, I mean, it's just sad that people associate the Mormon church with patriotism when I would say it's the exact opposite. So, anyway, uh, yeah, pretty interesting, but 
Uh, yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed your Pioneer Day. I'm sure most Mormon, most ex-Mormons did not uh, spend their day watching the parade. <laughs> At least I hope you didn't. Um, I kind of wish I hadn't. Uh, but uh, anyway, I'm going to play a song to end the show since we're talking about like the pioneers that died. And, you know, we can dedicate this to all the people that have died because of Mormonism. But it's a song called The Ghosts Are Here. And it's kind of appropriate based on the topic that we're discussing here. Um, but Mormons like to focus on, you know, and especially the diehard members will say, well, that's in the past. We shouldn't worry about it. But uh, I think we should worry about it. I think we should talk about the past. And, of course, Hinckley went back and forth on that one, you know, with Mountain Meadows. We got to look to the past. Uh, hey, let's not worry about the past, you know. Um, so make up your mind, you know. And then uh, I did have a clip. Where is that? Let me see if I can find this clip real quick. I have a clip of Hinckley. Let's see here. Um, oh, I did have one. Maybe I'll save that for the next show. I did have a clip I really wanted to play for you guys, but I'll save it for uh, tomorrow morning. But I had a, a clip of Hinckley, and I just, I thought I saved it here, but maybe I didn't uh, link it yet. I'll have to find it, but, uh, yeah, where he was talking about the, you know, without the history that we, you know, we have nothing. What the hell is that? Let me just look real quick, see if I have it handy. Um, doesn't look like I have it there. But, you know, I mean, Hinckley talked about, you know, the, the history of the church and how, you know, without that history, they have nothing. Um, let me just look, let me just Google it here. Yeah, we have nothing here. I, I actually came across the audio the other day when I was going through all my files. Um, and I know I've got the clip here, and I might even find it for you guys. Let me just look here real quick. See if I can locate it. Uh, let's see here. Let me see what a. It's really it's really perfect for this show because, um, you know, I mean it, it's exactly what we're talking about. You know, the the history of the church. Um, let's see here. Where is that? If I don't find it here in a minute, I'll uh, move on. But anyway, um, let's see. Hinkley with Wallace. I've got so many Hinkley clips. <laughs> uh, let's see here. There's Hinkley slamming the missionaries. Um, I think, no, that's another clip. That's Yeah, I, I love the one where Hinkley says, so what, you know. I wonder if that, no, it's the marvelous foundation of our faith, I believe, is the talk. Um, let's see here. Let me just verify that this is it. Yeah, it's when he says, uh, I knew a so-called intellectual who said the church was trapped by its history. My response was that without that history, we have nothing. The truth of that unique, singular, and remarkable event is the pivotal substance of our faith. And this was... Uh, yeah, he's talking about the first vision. Again, so many clips of Hinckley, you know, it's ridiculous. He was very quotable. Yeah, it looks like I'm not going to find... Oh, wait, maybe this is... It. No, that's... Oh, you know, I'll play this one. This is a good one. 
It's all true or it's all fraud. Let's play this. Each of us has to face the matter. Either the church is true or it is a fraud. There is no middle ground. It is the church and kingdom of God or it is nothing. There you go. Well, that's something there. Uh, and then again, I already read to you what he actually said, but I'll, um, I'll define that one. Yeah, I don't know where it is. Anyway, wait, one more. Let me try one more here. Uh, just to make double sure. Nope, not it. So anyway, uh, like Hinckley said, you know, without the history of the church, they have nothing. So uh, you have to embrace it all, folks. It's all true or it's all a fraud. There's no middle ground, like he said. There's no gray area. All true or all a fraud. In the PBS documentary, The Mormons, he said it's all true or it's all a great fraud. Uh, you know, he stepped it up, and he said it many, many times. So, uh, again, there is no room for the New Order Mormons, you know, and, and people like DeLynn and others can say, oh, you can just make up your own church, and it's all good, and it's, but it's not, man. I mean, that is not, that is not how it works, you know. I mean, if you want to be able to, uh, you know, have a temple recommend and have your eternal family and all that stuff, then it's just simply not true, man. You can't, you can't do it. Um, and so, uh, you know, actually promoting people to lie. And, and again, if you need to do that to keep your family together, that's fine. I, I actually have no issue with that at all. But I'm just saying if you truly believe that you're a, a true TBM, a true believing Mormon, and that you're a diehard, but you're having to create your own church within the church, then you're lying to yourself. It's not true, you know. Um, you're, you're, you're just being, uh, I mean, it would be so much better. And, and then here's what happens, right? So you believe you're a true believing Mormon. You have to create your own church within the church to survive. Um, you know, you're a true believer, but you're not. But then what happens is you lie in your Temple Recommend interview, and then what? You feel guilt, and then you feel shame, and then that can lead to depression. You know, I mean, you go, you go down an ugly road. I mean, the church loves to talk about the slippery slope. Well, there is a slippery slope, too, if you're not being honest with yourself and you're having to lie to get through your interviews because eventually that's going to get to you. I know this firsthand because I used to lie about masturbation because I felt, you know, after I was basically, uh, you know, asked at the age of, you know, 11 years old if I masturbated and my dad was a bad dad, if he hadn't taught me how evil it was, I knew at that moment that it just wasn't right that they asked me that. So I, I made a promise to myself at that age that I would never confess it ever because it just wasn't right. I mean, I even knew better then, you know, somehow. Uh, but I never told my parents about it. We never talked about it because it was still a shameful thing. So what happened is I continued to masturbate during the years, during my mission, and, and I always had that guilt and shame but I had to try to convince myself it was between me and Christ. So I'm assuming that's what a lot of people out there are doing. They're lying to get through the Temple Recommend interview, and then they're convincing themselves that it's okay because it's between you and Christ. But let me tell you, it takes a toll on you. You're so much better to just be free of it and not worry about it and not have to lie, if, you know, and then not feel guilty because you're lying. Even though you feel like you're justified, you still feel like shit because you're lying to the quote-unquote servants of the Lord who were called directly by Christ through revelation, and you're having to lie to them. I mean, that should tell you everything you need to know. I should have figured out, hey, if I have to lie about this, and there's something wrong. 
So if you have to lie about anything in order to survive in the church, there's something wrong. I mean, and this is for those that haven't figured out that it's a fraud, you know. Uh, I mean, again, if you have to lie to get through to keep your family together, lie all day long. I mean, I have no, I have no problem with people lying to Mormon leaders, none at all. But I'm just saying, you know, I'm thinking more about you and your well-being and your state of mind, and you know, I want you to be happy. Um, but uh, anyway, it's it's uh, it's crazy, you know, um, what you have to do to get through this church. Um, but uh, I'm gonna try and uh, I'm gonna try and play this uh, audio for everyone. Hang on just a moment here. I'm gonna try and locate it, just for the hell of it. Let me see if I can uh, get it to play. Let's see. All right. Let's see here. I'm gonna try and locate it. So just bear with me here. I just really wanted to play this for you guys. Wish I had the clip ready. I know I've got the clip. I probably have, you know, I could probably find it, um, but let's, uh, let's go ahead and try it this way. Let me just see what I can do here for you. I just want you to hear Hinckley's own words, you know. It's so much more powerful when you get to hear, hear them in their own words, you know. It's like, I can read it to you, but it's so much better to hear it. You know, and, and then I've got, you know, I mean... The thing is, is they talk about like, well, hey, you know, it's not so bad, and it isn't so bad, you know, and they, uh, and then it's, but yet they try to blow off so many things, you know. So let me let me go ahead and play this for you guys. Uh, I'm gonna have to scroll down a little bit, and then uh, it shouldn't take me long to find it. It's pretty much like three quarters of the way through the talk, so I'll just uh, try and find it that way. I knew a so-called intellectual who said the church was trapped by its history. My response was that without that history we have nothing. The truth of that unique, singular, and remarkable event is the pivotal substance of our faith. There you go. So without that truth we have nothing. So without that history, you know. And the truth is they are trapped by their history. A so-called intellectual now, he probably was an intellectual. Unlike you, Hinckley, you were never an intellectual. You were just a dumb shit. Uh, you know, and he thought he was so smart and he could lie to everyone and make up stuff and everyone would just be like, oh, it's Gordon B. Hinckley, you know. Anyway, there you have it. All right, folks, well, I'm going to wrap it up here. I appreciate everybody tuning in again for uh, this uh, Pioneer Day recap episode. And I'll be back uh, tomorrow morning. I'm shooting for 1 a.m. And I'll have something to talk about then. But uh, in the meantime, uh, I hope all of you are well. I hope you're uh, doing okay with your uh, post-Pioneer hangover, Pioneer Day hangover. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of the Exmos are literally having hangovers today. Because you probably have to, you know, drink to numb the pain of uh, Pioneer Day. You know, all the memories and thoughts and all that shit that you have from uh, all the years of celebrating it with your family, right? Um, anyway, it's, it's, uh, I don't know, I mean, for me, for my family, it was always a really big deal. Even, well, it was, but it wasn't. Like, we weren't, again, we, you know, my parents were converts, so it was never, uh, like, you know, camp out overnight. I guess some people camped out for two days. It's like, good Lord, man. No, thank you. Uh, and they had a segment on KSL yesterday of like, 
games that you can play and so they picked out this family and they were showing them all the different games they could play and I don't know I, I guess I've just lost my maybe I would have thought that was fun or cool years ago but I just I mean whenever anything to do with the parade and Mormons and I've just lost my desire to like look at anything as fun I guess uh, and you know and plus they took away all the good things you know I mean so again let's just kind of recap what's been taken away I mean back Hinckley took away the road shows he took away uh, they used to have the videos, you know, that were uplifting, and they took those away. He took away uh, missionary homecomings and farewells. I'm sure I'm going to miss something, you know. But more recently, they've taken away the high priest quorum. They've cut the penishood session from, you know, two hours to an hour and a half to once a year, which is actually a blessing uh, because that is like, you know. But it, it used to be they'd brag about what a tradition it was and how wonderful it was and how great it was and you know, you go with your dad and all that, and, you know, uh, I mean, they just they just keep taking away things, you know. Oh, now they got rid of the youth parade, um, you know, home teaching, I mean, huge, home teaching, gone, you know. Uh, I mean, there Nelson is literally, I mean, like, he's picking up where Hinckley left off years ago, and he's just continuing to just gut the church. And again, that's good, man. At least you don't have the... I mean, I always looked at home teaching as the, not, the Mormon Nazi spy program, you know. They're coming into your house. You're asking people personal questions. You're, you know, people, they report back to the bishop in some cases. I mean, no thanks. So, again, a good thing, but it's something... I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, and it's probably a good thing, too, but they're taking away the things that Mormons love. Like back when I, I still believed to take away road shows and homecomings and farewells, I mean, I was pissed. I was devastated. So I'm sure a lot of the Mormons today, I mean, and I have heard some rumblings from my local ward, they weren't happy about getting rid of the high priest quorum. You know, they're now changing the, the hymn book that everyone is comfortable with. Um, I, I think they're just trying to shake things up, hoping that it'll work, you know. They're probably going to try, I mean, they're talking again about cutting the meetings down to two hours, so that could happen. Um, anyway, they're, they're trying to change the church. They're trying to streamline it. They're trying to get rid of uh, things that cost them money and take effort, uh, regardless of if the members like it or enjoy it. I mean, they're not taking a vote. You know, they're not asking the members, hey, what do you think, except on the hymn book, you know. And, uh, I mean, we need to do a show. You know, I mean, I highly recommend uh, the songs Crazy and Another One Bites the Dust, for sure. And uh, those would be great songs to put in, in the hymn book. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm sure there are many more. But I want to do a show one night where, uh, and maybe I'll put it on Twitter, where you guys can recommend uh, songs that should be in the new hymn book. You know, like modern day, like rock songs, whatever it might be, like what, what they should put in their hymn book, and then we can... Uh, tweet them to, you know, at LDS Church on Twitter. That would be pretty funny. Uh, we can overload their uh, Twitter feed with a bunch of songs that would be appropriate, you know, according to us. Anyway, I'll, I'm going to wrap it up. But uh, I appreciate you guys. Uh, thanks again. Stay well. Have a great rest of the day. And I will see you again tomorrow morning. And we'll uh, talk about another topic. So, uh Anyway, this is the song. It's called The Ghosts Are Here. I, uh, it's kind of a unique song. I think you guys, if you haven't heard it, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. But 
Um, I look at it, it has many symbolic meanings, but I think that the church uh, is literally on life support right now. And, you know, if they continue to lose billions of dollars, I mean, if, if that many people are really resigning, those are people that pay tithing and they're losing, you know, billions of dollars. Uh, I don't know, man. At some point, they're going to have to do some major consolidating. And I would expect temple building to, at some point, come to a halt. I mean, even though they build the temples to, to create the perception that things are still going well and growing, eventually they're going to have to deal with the reality that they're not. Uh, you know, they're not going to be filled. They're not going to be used. That nobody cares. And they're going to have to start building more malls and more apartment buildings and buy luxury apartments, like the ones they bought in Dallas, Texas a short time ago. Um, you know, and, and, and they're building that 32-story building in Philadelphia. I mean, they're going to start putting more and more of their money into those type of things because they're far more profitable than the temples or the chapels. And that's why they're doing it. And I've been saying for a long time they're preparing for the future where the religion aspect is, you know, kind of on the back burner and secondary to their, uh, you know, real estate portfolio, which I think has kind of already happened. So it's kind of, it's interesting. But I think they're already doing that. And so I think you can expect to see more commercial building. I mean, they want to build that city of 500,000 people in Florida. You're going to see more of that stuff because they find that to be more profitable. They know it's more profitable than the temple, um, temples and, you know, that no one's attending. I mean, so many temples are by appointment only, which was shocking to me. If you look them up, uh, you'll, you'll find that. I mean, literally, like, they just sit empty and vacant and no one's using them unless somebody calls and schedules a time. Unbelievable. And, of course, that's not happening in Utah or Idaho probably even Arizona, but you get outside of like the, the Mormon-dominated states and, and around the world, that's what you're going to find. I mean, do you think the African temples are full every day? Please. You know, they don't even offer rental clothes. All right, I'm going to wrap it up. So anyway, take care, everybody. I'll see you again tomorrow morning. And in the meantime, uh, the ghosts are here, folks. The, the ghosts of the pioneers, the ghosts of the people that have died, um, the LGBTQ people, the the masturbators, the you know anyone that's uh, had depression and committed suicide because of the church, and uh, like Oaks said, Dallin Hoax, uh, you know he doesn't even really care if it's right or wrong. He's prepared to meet his maker and couldn't give a shit. So, all right, here you go, folks. Have a great one, and we'll see you again tomorrow morning. Take care. The ghosts are here The ghosts are here Needing to be fed With answers to the questions of the restless dead There are dark thoughts circling in my head I wish I Listen to everything they say The ghosts are here They're not laid to rest They cluster
So